1: And you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. You can like us on Facebook. You can review us on iTunes. And you can always hit us up at the Lockdown Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. It is Expert Tuesday. Michelle Bruton is here. She is returning, making her triumphant return to the Lockdown Packers podcast. And we're going to talk about all things Clay Matthews which we'll get to a little bit before she comes on. We're going to talk about where she thinks this team is after two weeks. There are only three teams undefeated as we sit here in the NFC through two weeks. Just three. The St. Louis Rams are 2-0, and and then two of the teams that played on Sunday at Lambeau Field are also undefeated. The 1-0-1 Green Bay Packers and the 1-0-1 Minnesota Vikings. Let's begin with some of the news from Monday as it relates to Clay Matthews because the NFL did something truly remarkable, but something utterly predictable. And I said this would happen on the show yesterday. They made the wrong call on the Clay Matthews roughing the passer penalty. And yet, not only did the NFL say it was the right call, they've now decided this is the new standard for correct calls moving forward. And not only did they do that, in the process, they essentially outlawed tackling of the quarterback. This is not hyperbole. This is serious. Basically, you cannot tackle the quarterback or you will risk a penalty. You cannot hit the quarterback and take him to the ground or you are risking a penalty. And this would be like if your significant other cheated on you and then said, oh, by the way, this is just the new thing. I'm just going to be cheating on you and you have no say. And in fact, it's your fault. The NFL screwed up and then made it seem like, no, this is actually how this works. And it was your fault all along that this happened. It's ridiculous. And it's just how the NFL runs. And it's unfortunate, and it's the reality. Now, if you're the Packers, it benefits you because teams are not going to know how to try and approach hitting Aaron Rodgers, and if you're the Packers, that's a good thing. But on the other hand, the double-edged sword here is you have defensive players who are going to want to hit the quarterback. How can you legally do that? It seems like no one knows, and that's a major problem for the NFL moving forward The NFL is not going to fix it unless the competition committee addresses it. The NFL owners probably are not going to want to fix it because they don't want defense. They want offense because offense means points. Points mean ratings. Ratings means eyeballs and advertising dollars and money in the pockets of NFL owners. They want Big 12 football. They want no defense. They want 42-45 final scores. They want Patrick Mahomes throwing six touchdown passes. They want a circumstance where half the league has a passer rating over 105 in Week 2 when Aaron Rodgers' career passer rating is 103. The league has gone too far. Even Peter King, who is not Mr. Criticize the Officials, there are a lot of Packers media who are not, let's blame the officials for the outcome of the game, and they were complaining about the officiating. Peter King said that can't be a penalty. And then on on Monday said if if they are going to make that Clay Matthews play a teaching tape penalty, then they have crossed the Rubicon. That was his exact phrasing, crossed the Rubicon. In other words, the NFL is saying we don't care about defense. We don't really care about safety. We just care about protecting our asses on this. They screwed up. A game that, a call that cost the Packers a game. And rather than just admitting it, they decided what they would rather do is double down and make things worse. Before we get to Michelle, I want to address one other thing. I got this note from Matt in Iowa City, and I also actually got a text from my mother about this. So I have to talk about it on the podcast. Matt says, The Packers have to start valuing timeouts. Three instances where timeouts were taken to avoid delay of game penalties. This has been a theme in past seasons, too, and it's bound to catch up to them. Final drive of the first half results in three points. What happens if Rodgers has a timeout or two? He tried to call one but had none. In the second half, if you want a challenge for the Adams catch, you can't because it happens inside the two minutes. And you never know if you'll need them for a late-game drive. Matt in Iowa City. I was surprised they didn't review that Devontae Adams catch. The rules are different on a catch in the end zone. You may remember the play where Greg Jennings caught the ball standing up, hit the his both his feet hit the ground, and then he had the ball knocked out of his hands and it was ruled a catch. I, I, I'm not convinced that that rule should not have been applied to Devontae Adams who was already on the ground, not going to the ground. Once you're in the end zone, the catch rules are a little bit wonky and different. And my understanding was that if you are on the ground and you have a catch, you're just down and that's it. If the ball comes out after the fact, it's still a touchdown. That is not the thing that I would like to address here. What I want to address is this issue of timeouts. And almost universally, the timeout is more valuable than the five yards. Now on third and eight or third and three, okay, I understand you take the timeout. But there are a number of issues here. Number one, one of the things that that Aaron Rodgers does is he wants to be in the perfect play at all times. And that is fine. That is to his credit. And there are plenty of times where there is a play called and he gets the Packers into a better play call. And that can take time. That can That can make the clock run down. But if that's the case, then the Packers' offensive staff, with Mike McCarthy as the play caller, need to hurry up in making calls at the line. And and perhaps what they need to do is just say, we're going to have these packages, and we're just going to let the Packers go run it with Aaron Rodgers. This is something that other teams with younger quarterbacks do. They they, They play the hurry up. And the coaches are, you know, Jared Goff, it was highly publicized last year, They were hurrying up so that that Sean McVay could essentially make the audibles for him. Well, let's have Mike McCarthy call a play, get to the line of scrimmage, and then let Aaron Rodgers fix it. But don't break the huddle with 11 seconds. And what's even worse, and and I think is unforgivable for this team in particular, never be in a position where you're going to go out and you're going to call the play where you try and get the team to jump, and if they don't jump you're going to call timeout. That's a wasted play. Have a play call. Go with a hard count. Rodgers is going to do that anyway. And if they don't jump, snap the ball with one second and run the play. This isn't rocket science. You can't give up timeouts. You can't just burn them willy-nilly. Matt is right. Maybe if the Packers have more timeouts at the end of the fourth quarter with, with 35 seconds left or whatever it was, Maybe they have more opportunities to get in the end zone. Maybe at the end of the first half, if they have a timeout, they can take a shot or two into the end zone because they have more time. And maybe they get seven instead of three. Green Bay values the ball with Mike McCarthy, but they don't value their timeouts. And that is just an unacceptable outcome for this team. They're too valuable. And if you look at the percentages – What the analytics say about this in terms of win percentage is generally speaking, depending on the game situation, but generally speaking, that timeout is worth more than the five yards. But it is even more apparent and even more stark when you have Aaron Rodgers and five yards is nothing. One of the things that he is great at is you have a holding call or you have some issue that turns second and 10 into second and 18. That turns 1st and 10 into 1st and 18. Rodgers gets that 8 yards, that 10 yards back rather than trying to get it all back. And now you've got 2nd and normal. And you can pick up 5 or 6 yards and then you have 3rd you have and 4. Unless it's 3rd down, who cares about the 5 yards? Especially on 1st down, I don't care. 1st and 15 for this offense shouldn't be a problem. Even 2nd even and plus 5 yards shouldn't be a problem because you can get eight, ten yards and then have third and manageable. You have Aaron Rodgers. And never, under any circumstances, should the play call be run the play clock down, try and get the hard count, and if you don't get it, call timeout. It We saw what Aaron Rodgers can do with just a little bit of time. Those timeouts are too valuable to simply flush down the toilet. There's something really great going on in sports media right now, and it is... Fans have so many options. They have so many outlets where they can get content. I write for a number of them. I I encourage you to find the work that I do outside of this podcast. But the thing that I think is really great is fans don't have to waste time with outlets that don't care about them. And that is why I am happy to have The Athletic sponsor this podcast. They're a subscription-based publisher, which means it does cost money. But in return for that money, you get a simple no-ad, no-pop-up, no-autoplay video experience. That is important. It's not just about the content. Though The Athletic has great content with Michael Cohen and Ben Fennel covering the Green Bay Packers names, Packers fans should already know. But beyond that, you get the national coverage. If you want to read Chris Burke covering the Lions, you can do that. If you want to read Richard Deitch covering the media, you can do that. And my listeners get a special deal, a 40% off their first year subscription. That's less than $3 a month when you go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnPackers. Theathletic.com slash LockedOnPackers to get 40% off that subscription. It's content that you want built for a consumer, built for a sports fan, and the coverage goes well beyond game recaps, trade speculation. Their goal is to provide you with smarter analysis and a deeper perspective about the team that you love. Theathletic.com slash LockedOnPackers to get 40% off a user experience catering to fans just like you. All right, let's get to my good friend and returning guest on the program. I I believe she was the first ever guest on the Locked on Packers podcast. You can find her work. She's a sports editor and reporter at Ozzie, formerly of Cheesehead TV. You can follow her on Twitter, at Michelle Bruton. She used to be at Michelle NFL, but she does more than just cover the NFL now. Michelle, thanks for joining Locked on Packers.
3: Thanks so much for having me back. It's been a while.
1: Yeah, you are rapidly... You are rapidly approaching um, just like all-star status on the podcast. I think you and Jason have been on the show more than anyone else. You were in the lead, and then I think Jason took the lead, and now I think you've you've either pulled even or retaken the lead. I don't know the count right now.
3: I better be in the lead. I'm a really competitive person, so I'm going (laughs) to need to be beating Jason in appearances.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, we'll work on that part of it uh i think though right now you are tied and that feels like an appropriate situation given the moment that we are <laughs> in and you, you asked this on twitter the other day and i thought this was interesting you said is you asked is there a place in the nfl for ties yeah big what made you think what made you think of that, and and what was the response? What is your take on that?
3: Yeah, and it's almost – I I was on the whole ties uh, train of thought, you know, from week one when we saw with the Browns, and so – and I've been thinking about maybe working on something um, about sort of a proposed solution to the tie problem, which some people will say isn't a problem, but when we've got one in each week of the season, to me it seems like we've got a problem. Um, so it was almost prescient in a way that I was, like, focused on ties because then – you know, sure enough, uh, the Packers game went ahead and ended in a tie as well. Um, and so basically, there's there's a large percentage of people out there who don't think that ties are a problem in the NFL. There's been um, – at this point, I want to say we've had like 10 in the last decade. Is that right? Um, I might be making that up. But uh, I, the problem is –
1: It's okay. It's just a podcast. <laughs>
3: um, the problem is – the last, and we've seen it the last two wins we've had is divisional it really it really messes up the standings and it really it just it's 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 frustrating for the players it's frustrating for the fans it's frustrating to have five quarters of football and for really no Change in effect to have happened, um, and as <laughs> poor Arif, uh, our, our Vikings friend, uh, had to deal with some people mm-hmm. on Twitter who thought that ties meant you were at five hundred and not seven fifty. Uh, <laughs> no,
1: math not a, not a strong suit for a lot of people on Twitter. For being not honest. a
3: strong suit for me either. Typically, so I was. I was.
1: <laughs> Nor I. I. I totally. I totally understand where they're coming from. <laughs>
3: Uh, so I was pleased for, you know, for once in my life to feel like I, I knew something in math that someone else didn't seem to know, but you know, yes. Okay. So it's, it's not, they're not at 500 because of the tie. Um, it it is weighted differently and that's good. You know, that's important. Um, so it's, it's not as bad as a loss as much as the players might've expressed that it basically felt like a loss to them. But ultimately, it's it's such an unsatisfying way to end a game. And when we have so many issues in the NFL right now with the product becoming, and we'll talk about, I'm sure, all of the things that are causing the product to become watered down, mm-hmm. uh, this, this one seems fixable. And there has to be a solution, whether it's adopting the college overtime rules. Uh, I've seen some people sort of in a tongue-in-cheek way suggest a kickoff, which with the level of kicking in the NFL this year, that would be horrendous. And... Um, there are other things you can yeah, do.
1: That, that, that's not happening. No, I'm not in on yeah, No, thank yeah. you. No, thank you. This is not so Right, right, right.
3: Or hockey, a shootout, basically. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I mean, it's, and this is the, the second time it's happened in, in the recent past. I was at the Packers Vikings game in 2013 where the same thing happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, even just being in the stadium for it, it's so deflating. I mean, you've sat there, your feet are frozen five quarters and you're walking out like, well, <laughs> nothing has changed from when I walked in here. Um, what are your feelings on, on ties?
1: Well, hmm. Uh, so it, it did seem like to me that the overtime period in week two flew by yeah. all of a sudden, like the Packers gave up the ball with four minutes left. And I'm like, how is this overtime period almost over? How did that happen? How did we get here? And I I, I do think I don't I don't know that it is a problem per se, but I don't think changing the rule would be a solution in search of a problem. I do think they would be fixing a potential problem because I don't think fans want ties. I don't think the players or coaches want ties. It it is different in soccer where it is culturally acceptable to have Mm -hmm. ties. That's just been ties have been a thing in soccer for time immemorial. And I just I, I think that if they changed the rule, everyone would be happier about not having ties. They wouldn't have needed to go to overtime even had Clay Matthews not been called for a roughing the passer penalty. And on Monday, the NFL came out. And not only did they say that that was the right call, but they are now going to use that Clay Matthews play as teaching tape. You're laughing. That, this is how ridiculous this is to say this is a penalty now. If you, if you listen to the verbiage that they use, they literally, this is not hyperbolic. They are literally describing a tackle. The NFL has outlawed tackling the quarterback. That is where we are in 2018. And I I just, Michelle, where do we go from here? This
3: to me is an incredible NFL move. The peak NFL move that this is tape that they should be burning, right? Because it is so embarrassing that their referees officiated this call, this, or this play this way, we all know it. And instead of sort of trying to erase it from our memory, burn it, just, you know, totally disregard it. They're doubling down and they're like, no, not only will we keep replaying this footage over and over, but actually we're going to go ahead and use it as a clinic, as a teachable moment, um, which is so great to me, right? Because they should want this to go away. This should be a play that they never want anyone to see again because it is so incredibly embarrassing for them. And, you know, the whole um, the scoop and pull, it's, it's if you watch that play, Cousins' feet were already off the ground by the time Matthews makes contact with him. So Matthews didn't scoop anything. He basically came at him when he was already midair, and then they went to the ground. And he didn't even bring the full weight of his body on top of him. We all know we saw that left arm braced his fall and took most of his weight. So, I mean, I guess if Cousins had had his feet on the ground and they had seen him, you know, go up into the air, they would have thought that was the scooping motion that is that is apparently so suspect here. But it was it was – Cousins was already – rising into the air of his own power. And it seems to me the only possible explanation I can come up with is that they sort of saw Matthews creating that upward movement of his own accord rather than cousins just jumping. And then they just didn't want to admit that they had made a mistake and double down on it from there.
1: The only place that the scoop and pull should be teaching tape is Baskin Robbins. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is stupid and not as stupid as that joke was, but pretty stupid. And I just it seems impossible. I I, I tweeted a a clip. There was a play earlier in the game, and I didn't think anything of it when it happened, where Rodgers got taken to the ground in a very similar manner. And it was a play that was considerably more violent in in the hit and the impact and the landing on Rodgers. And yet that's not a flag. And it seems like the only difference is where the defender's hands are. And that seems so arbitrary and so counter to what the spirit of the rule is, which is to protect the quarterback. I understand this is a judgment call. So make it, just make it a judgment call. If it looks like a vicious hit, it's a penalty. And if it doesn't, it's not. To add in all these layers just seems like we're going to convolute all of this. And we all know how officials are when when the detail of the rule is, you know, you need to get into the minutia of every little thing. Otherwise, it can't be called. That is bad news for NFL referees who already struggle with this kind of stuff. I, I just I don't know what to make of it. But here's here's the bottom line. The Packers are 1-0-1. The November 25th game in Minnesota is now potentially the season. Because mm-hmm. whoever wins gets a sweep, more or less, of the season series. Through two weeks, you can make the case Green Bay should definitely be 2-0. and You can also make the case they should definitely be 0-2. So where is your perception of this team as we stand moving forward?
3: So, yeah, it's... I think the hard thing to admit for a lot of Packers fans is that at the end of the day yesterday, you know, Aaron Rodgers heroics aside, bad officiating aside, overtime, you know, strange wild tie game aside, I think the Vikings are, to me, to the eye test, the better team, clearly. Um Maybe not by a ton, you know, maybe maybe by inches, maybe not by a foot. But to me, the Vikings right now are the better team just because they're a more complete team. And I think we all know where the issues are for the Packers. It's in their addressing. It's in their safety play. Um, <laughs> apparently now in their kicking, which, I, you know, Crosby was doing great. And that was just a really unfortunate um, whiff for him. But I just don't know that. It's the same story every year, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers' heroics can only take this team so far. And there are always kind of unexpected contributors who step up and do much better than we ever would have hoped for them. And I think like this year that might be Geronimo Allison, it might be Jamal Williams, um, Aaron Jones when he comes back. So there's always going to be heroes. And, you know, their fundamentals are there. The defensive front is good. Um, the offensive line, I I have been – you know, laughing, cackling, really, to myself about how how many people were just wringing their hands about the offensive line this year because I get that you, you take two, you know, all-pro players at guard and replace them with two pretty unproven guys, but you also have two of the best pass-blocking tackles in the league on that offensive line. Um, and this isn't even about Aaron Rodgers' injury. I, as we've all seen, he's going to be fine, I think. I mean – It's, it's, I guess it's hard to know how long he can keep playing if the injury doesn't start healing, um, how long he can keep compensating for it. But all of this to say, I guess, is that, um, ultimately it's the same story of the Packers. If they're going to get to the championship game, aren't necessarily going to get there based on the strength of their offense. They're going to get there based on some lucky breaks going their way, which happens for a lot of teams in football. Fine. Um, but Packers fans at least seem to feel that, and maybe they're not wrong, that a lot of breaks go the other way for the Packers, which always seems to derail their season, whether it's a bad injury, a bad call, you know, whatever it is. Um, ultimately, you know, the Lions clearly aren't going to be much of a threat. I think the Bears are going to have a pretty good year. Um, I don't, I'm not seeing anything so far that leads me to believe that Trubisky is going to take leaps and bounds from where he was. Um, but ultimately it's it's you know do the Packers have to go in as a wild card again because these Vikings you know they look pretty pretty good.
1: I want to apologize to Michelle and and to you guys because there was more to that interview and we had some technical difficulties unfortunately the the rest of the audio is lost but she is a tremendous guest. We actually had a a somewhat spirited debate about her her take there with the, the Vikings being better than the Packers. Uh, I, I wrote Fragby Packing Company this week that I, I don't think that's true. I think that, that that this game, if anything, showed that Green Bay absolutely belongs in the, the, the conversation with the best teams in the NFC. And so uh, maybe she can come back on in a couple weeks and we can rehash the conversation. And maybe maybe she's going to be right in a month and maybe I'm going to be right in a month. And so maybe it'll be a more interesting conversation when we have a little bit more information. You know, Ever since I started doing this podcast, people have asked me for advice on gambling and on the Packers and what's the latest and what's going on. And in a lot of cases, it's been so that they can put money down on the game. But the truth is, I don't know who's going to win. I I can only give you my best guess. But where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on, which is why I always recommend MyBookie.ag. They've been in business for years. They've got great reviews online, and you know how mean the internet can be when something is not up to par. The mobile site is easy to use. They have live in-game betting, so you can get everything done that you would do at a casino from the comfort of your very own home, your own snacks, your own beer. The drinks are free at a casino. They're not free at your home, but they kind of are right there in your fridge. You just got to go get them. Right now, my bookie is so popular with new users That they're willing to pay you to make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern. They'll give you an additional $25 in free play on a deposit over $100. Go to mybookie.ag right now. They'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar. And when you use the promo code LOCKDON25 after 7 p.m. Eastern, you'll get that additional $25. In free play, that's locked on twenty five at mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid.
0: David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, celebrating with you a twenty one grain salute to a less boring sandwich, thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings Good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
1: I want to thank Michelle for joining Locked on Packers. Always great to get her perspective, her insight. I actually think that that her distance from the the day-to-day in the NFL helps you know, I think when you when you're able to have a little bit of distance, it can sometimes help your objectivity. That doesn't mean I think she's necessarily right. More often, you know, we're still going to disagree. <laughs> but she's she's really great. And and if you're not already following her on Twitter, you're not already following the work that she does. Uh, she is not just a a great follow for NFL stuff, but an excellent profile writer and not just about NFL but she is huge into the X games in hockey and in a, in a number of arenas she is a Jill of all trades and if if you're not already into everything she does uh, you should change that you should have season tickets to the work that she does truly we're going to have more this week as the packers turn their attention to Washington uh, at Washington so it's their first opportunity to go on the road of this young season And the goal is to be undefeated, to stay undefeated. The reality is Green Bay now needs to make up this ground that they lost by not winning in week two, even though they didn't lose. And they need to make hay while the sun is shining. And the sun is going to shine for the next three weeks-ish. After the bye week, they've got a very tough stretch with the Rams, the Patriots, the Seahawks. There is a, a difficult stretch of games before the end of the season where they're Schedule softens just a bit, but there is a critical difference here. They have Atlanta at home and Washington on the road, whereas Minnesota, they've got the Saints and the Eagles on the road, and the Eagles are going to have Carson Wentz. So that is the inefficiency that Green Bay can take advantage of in this race. Theoretically, they should be able to get ahead of the Vikings in the win column uh, with or without that November 25th game, but we will see. They need to win this week to start things rolling. Remember, you can always hit us up at the Lockdown Packers fan hotline. We had that question earlier in the show. Send me your questions, send me your comments. I want to address them as often as I can. 920-341-3775. You can hit me up on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Tweet at the podcast at Locked On Packers. Remember, all of our stuff is at LockedonPackers.com, but it's also on Facebook, it's also on iTunes where you can subscribe, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere there are podcasts, the Locked On Packers Podcast also exists. We were not just the number one local show last week, we were the number one football show on the Locked On Podcast Network last week. Thanks to all of you. You are the reason the show continues to grow. I'm so very grateful for the audience. That, that we have built here, it is because of you. It is because you spread the word. It is because, well, frankly, it's because Aaron Rodgers is a miracle worker. And all of that mixed together creates this wonderful family that is the Locked On Packers family. So thank you to all of you. The best way, truly, that you can make sure that this family continues to grow is to stay Locked On Packers.